has taken information from 500 million accounts. Um, Which state? <laughs> was it Kentucky? They, I have a feeling it was Kentucky. They haven't said... Uh, which is an interesting thing, because when you declare that a state-sponsored hack occurred, the first question is, which state? And they're, they're not saying. Hello, this is John Congdon, and you're listening to PHP Ugly Episode 29, recorded September 22nd, 2016. On this episode, I discuss some recent deployments I've had. Thomas talks about taking personal time off work. Eric brings us up to speed on his new interest in Docker. In addition, we also discuss the potential issues upgrading your Mac to the new Mac OS Sierra, Yahoo's recently revealed hack, Microsoft's dive into open source, PHP design patterns, and so much more. Let's get started. Thomas. John. Eric. How you doing? Thomas. Doing well. John boy. Doing well. Man. This is ugly. (laughs) Starting off so bad. Starting off so very ugly. so bad. Oh man! Well, it started. It started off early for me when Eric said, uh, "You're gonna have to pick one of the horrible things you've chosen as topics because I'm not gonna do all of them." <laughs> but they're all horrible. <laughs> they're they're all pretty bad. Yeah, it's news. News, uh, news you is go, all... You go for all the bad news. Hey, John. Eric, are you? Uh, where are you at with Mr. Robot? I have purchased season two. But you haven't watched it? No. I've got a newborn. When am I going to watch a show? Well, Thomas? Can I take a day off of work and continue to get paid so I can watch it? That's what I do. Oh. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm not caught up. I'm on the uh, season finale. Season finale already? Then why did I pay for it? I could have just waited for it to come out on Prime. How's everybody's work week? Interesting. Why was it interesting? To elaborate. And why do you have a beer that's unopened on your desk? Because I'm trying to find my bottle opener while discreetly find my bottle opener. Or something that works as a bottle opener. Here we go. A block of aluminum. And now we're going to watch Thomas open up a beer with a block of aluminum. Wow. (laughs) That was quite impressive. Thank you. What was I saying? What was the original question? Your your week was interesting. Why is this? I took a stress day. Oh, really? Okay. Why was that? Yeah. I, I took a day off where basically I got to 2 o'clock at night. All the kids were asleep. I was having a beer, and I just said, I swear to God, I can't work tomorrow. <laughs> so you mean 2 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, the kids get to bed at... 11 11 30 sometimes in this Ooh. instance it was one thirty. because teenagers you can't just make them be in bed you try to but then they get up and i don't feel good i need more water what are you guys doing and i have to stay up until one o'clock mandatorily to to do my youngest son's blood sugar at night so by the time i got to two I was just like, this This is it. This is my day's over. I'm not starting it again tomorrow. It's funny. I used to code until 2, 3, 4 in the morning, like, easily. Like, it was like a regular thing. And then as my kids got older and they started staying, staying up later and trying to do the whole parenting thing, now it's like your body's dialed in to get sleep whenever it can. By the oh, way, yeah. it's yeah, not the fact that your kids got older. I think it's the fact that you got older. <laughs> that might be it, too. Yeah. The, two, the two happened in parallel. There's no way of knowing which occurred first. <laughs> yeah, because now my body's like, wait a minute. Everything's quiet. Nobody needs anything. All right, rest mode. Oh, yeah. I hit I hit 5 o'clock. I, you know, the, the whistle blows, and I am immediately taking my nap. I'm, I'm down, and I'm out for an hour. You take, you take an old person nap? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could probably get into that habit pretty easy. That's oh, it's great. Do that... you remember sleep, John? I'm still trying to find it. Last night, my kid for the first time only woke up once in the middle of the night. Mm. I was so ecstatic. We bought a new product. It was a, it's something Merlin's uh, magical sleep sack, and up until last Morphine. night, 
Yeah, up until last night, he was waking up three, four, five times a night. Last night, it was just once. It was heavenly. Getting What's sleep. funny is, like, when that happens, the first time, you're like, oh, he slept through the night. Oh, shit, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I'd also like, I... to, like to welcome our new sponsor, Merlin's Magical Sleep Sack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I go to sleep, and he's still in the same position. I'm like, oh, crap, is he overheating? Is he too hot? Do I need to go in there and check on him? So it made going to sleep a little more rough, but he woke up. Got fed, went back to sleep. It's all good. Now, now we're wondering: was it a fluke, or is it going to happen again tonight? We'll find out. Um, let's see. So, Klein and I talk about often. Actually, just tonight before we started recording, put their first website onto a cluster of web servers that I set up. So excited that they're finally using Seems it. Like such a big mistake on their part. I mean, good, good to hear. <laughs> It's something I set up months ago, and it's you're always afraid to make a big change, and that's what this is. So tonight we bit the bullet, put a, a site over there live, so we'll see what happens over the next week. Looking forward to so it. So tomorrow morning around 4 o'clock in the morning, you'll start getting the calls Let's from see. the East Coast clients. East Coast, so yeah, yeah, about, about then. <laughs> that's, uh, that's always lovely. Yeah, we tested it as much as we could, so. Well, I'll tell you, I've been playing around... You know me, I'm always like playing with the new technologies. I'm like the emerging technology junkie, right? Anything new and shiny out there, I want to touch. Well, I would I would so say I mean, under $100. You have like uh, a ceiling for the, the toys that you'll buy. Well, no, I'm just saying technology in general. All mm-hmm. right. So one of the ones I've, I've struggled with, and I usually stay pretty much ahead of the curb on most of them. One of the ones that I've kind of struggled with from the beginning is docker that's one of those Um, that i i really want to know i've purchased some courses that that have been given i forget who recorded them other pdfs i've downloaded for it and i still haven't taken the time to actually learn it so i want to know your experience yeah so it's funny because when i was first introduced to docker i'm like man this really seems familiar to me and then i realized after asking some questions Years ago, I was running some Sun servers, and uh, you remember Sun, mm-hmm. they used to make computers, and they had their own OS, and my manager at the time said, listen, I want you to get in, Sun's released this new virtualization solution, it's not a VM, they're called containers, he's like, I want you to get your head around containers, and it was it was really different from the VM approach that was that everybody else was taking at the time where you virtualize the entire machine. The containers would virtualize the libraries you need for whatever specific thing you were doing in the container. And then it, it would share the resources like the, GP, uh, the CPU and RAM and all that with the physical machine. So you weren't virtualizing all that. And, uh, again, you know, I... Played with it for a little while, got my head around it, actually deployed a couple things, and it it was weird, but it was clunky. So I started asking all these questions, because Docker seemed very much like that, and it turned out that's exactly what it was. Docker was is the old Sun containers. So once I got that, I, I understood a lot more of the basic principles of Docker. But I still struggle with the actual implementation. And this past week, I really kind of buckled down, because I had a situation where... I needed a specific version of a MySQL database, and I have so many VMs, vagrant VMs already. I'm like, man, I don't want to spin up an entire vagrant VM just for this MySQL database. So I started looking back into Docker's, and man, it really Docker, Docker's wearing a pair of pants. What the hell? Scotch, scotches. I, I, <laughs> I looked back into Docker, and. Uh, I, I really, I'm really starting to see some use cases, especially from a development perspective, and even, and I'm starting to formulate it for production because I remember the big selling point from a production perspective was as a developer, you could define your entire environment, you can define your database, your application server, your web server, the way everything's implemented, the way everything's deployed, bundle that up as a Docker container 
and have your sysadmins just deploy the Docker container. I get that. I'm not quite there yet. But from a developer perspective, it was really, really nice to be able to pull down these different versions of MySQL, spin up the Docker, and then the way I happened to implement it was for my local system, it looked like the database was right there. I, I, I did a port forward of 3306 and... As far as my system was concerned, it was a local database, but I could try different versions. So that worked out really well for me. Very lightweight, very small footprint. And then I started thinking, like, well, man, Evan, our buddy Evan, Thomas, uh, <laughs> Evan did a uh, talk on Elasticsearch. I'm like, there's there's a Docker container for Elasticsearch. Let me go ahead and deploy that. And, and I started playing around more and more with Docker. So I'm really liking Docker. Uh I'm still kind of building up my, my tolerance for it. But then I, th I thought of another great use case for it. For those people out there who do development, real development work on a real development machine, like a Mac OS machine, Thomas, <laughs> there, yeah, there's a, a high-end, high new-fangled Mac machine. Yeah, there's a major update for a Mac OS uh, the Sierra, whatever the latest mountain is. I think it's Sierra. Yeah, it's Sierra. And as somebody whose life literally depends on their computer to be able to make money, I have a tendency to hold off on doing OS upgrades until everything shakes out after a while. But with Doc, and a perfect example is there's already reports that I guess that Laravel Valet, they're having problems. People who have upgraded to... Uh, Mac OS Sierra, they're having issues with the Laravel Valet uh, install. And, of course, the community's working on it. They're they're trying to fix the problems, and I'm sure it'll all get fixed, but... So that's kind of weird. Does that mean they're not running it within a VM? Are they running it? Mm -mm. No. Uh, Laravel Valet is not run on a VM. It's run on top of a lot of other little applications oh that's right i remember what this one is yeah i haven't used it yet yeah and I, and I think it's the web server that they use is not quite compatible with sierra yet or there's some there's something weird about the way that web server works on sierra that it doesn't work the same way it, it had worked on the previous version but again a docker container would have abstracted all that away and there are ways to link, like, you can create a Docker container that's a web server, a Docker container, a separate, a completely separate Docker container that's a database server, and then link those two containers so that they're aware of each other and they behave like they're all one container. So what I want to get to the bottom of is, are you saying that the October SDPHP is going to be a talk about Docker? I, I, I can answer that one. I can answer that one for you. Yes, it will. He'll be glad to do it. I see where you went with that one. That's very touche. We do need a presenter, and I do want to know more about this. I just don't know that I'll be there. We do need a presenter. Yes, if you're listening to this podcast, we do need a October SDPHB presentation. Yes, somebody named Eric Van Johnson who can give a presentation about Docker. If that's too specific. If you fit that credit, those credentials, please email us. Let us know that's you. Yeah, we might have to fall back on that one. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. That, that wouldn't be a bad one. Docker for PHP developers. So, yeah, that's uh, that's been my kind of week. That's awesome. I do want to know more about it. So, I look forward to hearing it. So... I've got some uh, some shocking news here for you guys. Let's hear it. Uh, apparently, Yahoo still has 500 million users. What? No, they don't. <laughs> yeah. I, there's evidence. How? They, what do they do to have 500 million users? I'm not sure what all they're right. doing, but I, I do have the email address for all 500 million of their users. <laughs> so... I know the story you're about to talk about, but I, I have to come how, clean. How would you know? Not only do I still have a Yahoo account, but I still pay Yahoo uh, a yearly Sucker. subscription to the email service. Well, I, I told you about my, I my little 
thing. So, and that's the only reason I pay for it. I, with the Yahoo email service, you have the ability to create these alias emails that are in no way associated to your root Yahoo email account. And for years, and I mean literally 10, oh shoot, man, my kids are 18 now, probably 18 years before my kids were born, I've been using this service and for all these little marketing sites and sites that I, I don't want to spam me, I, I create individual email accounts for all of them. So go on with your story, Thomas. Cheer me up about the fact that I pay for my Yahoo email address. Well, one thing is you should probably change your password because it's been 18 years. <laughs> I actually logged in tonight and could not figure out how to do that. <laughs> So, Yahoo's claiming a state-sponsored hacker has taken information from 500 million accounts. Which state? (laughs) Was it Kentucky? I have a feeling it was Kentucky. They haven't said, which is an interesting thing, because when you declare that a state-sponsored hack occurred, the first question is, which state? And they're they're not saying. Mm -hmm. So, there's a question as to uh, how much. But... I mean, this is just another story in the everyone gets hacked, you know, wake up, get a password manager news. Yeah, but go back to the 500 million people. It wasn't just email addresses and passwords, but also answers to your personal security questions. Potentially answers to your security questions unencrypted. The passwords are bcrypt hashed, so they're pretty strong as a whole. You can, of course, break them individually if you find somebody of interest. But, yeah, it's it's not good. Um, the hackers are selling the list, like I said, for $2,000 through the standardized black markets. And this is actually an old hack. This is a hack that has occurred in, I believe, 2014. So Wow. That's a, that's a, I mean, we were just talking about Dropbox. Simple. A similar situation where it was an old hack, right? Yeah, and that's the thing is that that means that the people have had this information for two years and have presumably been running their decryption tools against passwords for two years. So who knows what you're going to get out of it. Now, they're saying that there's no financial details, etc., etc. You know, this is a standard hack for a big website. So do you guys answer those personal security questions like mother's maiden name, street you grew up on, and those types of things? I generally avoid them like the plague. So for your bank account, where it asks you those types of questions, do you answer them? Banks cannot ask you those types of questions. But they Um, do. do. Yeah. They do, yeah. I know. So how do you reply to them? Um, I usually opt for a standard two-factor so there's the whole thing about they show you a picture that's associated with your account, and if you recognize that picture, then you enter your password. But if you don't, then yeah. But they... I think I think John actually has a pretty good tip on this. So and then we're we're gonna get back to whole the whole use of yeah password use a manager. password manager. So for those specific questions, I still use my password manager. I generate a random password, paste it in there, and then make a note in my password manager. My son's first name is. X, Y, 2, 4, carat, 7, Z. You know, it's obviously not real data. They're not going to get it from social engineering. They're not going to find it online anywhere. It's literally just more passwords for my account. Yeah, and the, the thing is with those security questions, I mean, they should just be done away with. They are the opposite of security. Mm-hmm. They, they're not safe information. The, the name of a pet? Come on, man. That's all, all that. All the information they're asking for is generally available out there online. So, don't yeah. put that. Don't don't use that to actually secure a site. And again, the the basic rule of thumb with security is if it's something you can remember, it's something that can be cracked. So if you know any password answer, anything that you can recite out of memory, somebody else can figure out. Now, I do want to commend Yahoo on. Bcrypt hashes, though. This is a big hack where the the bad news that came out wasn't, oh yeah, and they got all your passwords because we're idiots. Because <laughs> there have been a lot of big hacks lately where they just said, oh yeah, it was a, an MD5 
uh, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but this this could mean some pretty bad damage for Yahoo, who's not in a good state already. No, uh, yeah, it won't damage him any more than you know the things they're already struggling with. Yeah, I hear tell some suckers are still paying for their email access. Really? Has, Who would pay for a Yahoo account? I don't know. That's the rumor. <laughs> I don't know. Just weird if you ask me. So my next story I have queued up here, I'm very, very conflicted on. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about this scenario. We keep talking about Microsoft and how much they're doing for open source. They've you know, open sourced uh, their .NET. They've open sourced... Uh, Visual Studio, the open source, um, what is the last thing they open source? I oh, the shell, the PowerShell. Um, they're doing all this. They've open sourced so much stuff that the GitHub uh, announcements that uh, John was talking about last week, one of the announcements that came out is Microsoft is actually the top open source contributor on GitHub right now. Wow. I mean, how how absolutely bizarre is that? I know how I and, feel about that. That's great. Well, you would think, right? And we had this conversation before. As an open source guy, I'm always very kind of stand backish on this because I just I'm having a hard time trusting Microsoft. And I keep hearing all this positive stuff about what they're doing for open source, how much they're contributing to the open source community. You start to warm up to them, and then just as soon as you do that, bam, another story comes out, right? That you can't run Linux on the Microsoft Signature PCs. Yeah, but that's not true, is it? Well, I don't know. You're the one that put the story in there. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, so, a little bit of bait and switch for you. So, But it's interesting, as I'm reading this, it's people that are affiliated with Microsoft have worked on open source projects. So what you're telling me is Microsoft has given their employees carte blanche to go and work on open source. They're like, hey, go go ahead and do this. Yeah, that and if, if you look at the, there's another link in the Trello card that links you to the GitHub Octoverse stats and it's just it's just a, a dump of all this uh, statistical information and under organizations with the most open source contributors it's yeah it's microsoft so what they're contributing to what they're you know i'm not sure but microsoft does show up again under repositories with the most open source contributors for their visual studio so they're kind of they're kind of popping up in a, in a few places yeah, and they're this, also this tying in with sense. Docker, like you were saying earlier. Now, Windows Server, I believe, supports the new Windows Server supports native Docker integration. And you know, there's interesting stuff going on. But to speak towards the signature PC stuff, it's a bit of a clickbaity headline. Okay. So Do explain. If I were to title this, I would say Linux doesn't support Microsoft signature PC RAID configuration. That seems very specific. Yes. Because it is. <laughs> so SSDs on Microsoft Signature PCs are formatted into a proprietary Microsoft RAID format. Now, this is a, a wholly new thing that Microsoft wants. And it makes sense because Microsoft's complaint about them versus Apple is, yeah, Apple gets to control the hardware. Well, this is mm -hmm. Microsoft's attempt at controlling the hardware. And because this is such a new technology basically a BIOS-level hardwired RAID setup on an SSD, Linux just doesn't support it yet. But we're a month away, you know? We rewrote Samba. We wrote support for NTFS. We've got everything Microsoft running in Linux. It's just a month or so until this is running in Linux. Now, it's not part of the core kernel, so your old distros will not find the drive. But you want to pull the hard drive out and pop in your own drive? Knock yourself out. Now you're running Linux. It's just a hard drive issue. And yeah, if you buy a Microsoft Signature PC for the intention of installing Linux on it, that's your stupid mistake. You know, I can't I can't run Xbox games on my PS4. <laughs> I, namely because I don't own an Xbox or PS4. But the idea is, yeah, buy a Lenovo, buy a, a ThinkPad. Don't buy a Microsoft Signature for your Linux test, your Linux work. And, and John, to circle back on, I think, what you were touching on, yeah, you know, the question is... What projects 
like are these just open source projects? I mean, do do you have a Microsoft employee who contributes a lot to WordPress because he's a fan of WordPress and it's not really an official act from Microsoft, but he counts towards Microsoft's tally. And it, and it could be that they hired somebody that contributed to open source before they were hired, but as soon as they added them to their organization, that counts towards their stats. At least the way That's true at least too. the way I'm reading it, it's still nice that they're hiring people that care about open source or their employees either do care and are contributing or are being mandated from the top saying, hey, go contribute. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, it's a good thing. It's just kind of, it's funny that it's a story. <laughs> At least the way it's written here. Well, I mean, I think we, we grew up in the era, not to rehash previous podcasts, but we grew up in the era of Microsoft saying open source literally is evil. And, yeah. and must be stopped. And it seems like they're turning the page on that, which is just, it's weird for someone who grew up in the environment of that. I will say, looking through the all the stats for uh, for the GitHub Octoverse, which at first I thought that was a, a play on October, and then I realized, oh no, I get the whole cat with the uh, Octocat. octopus arms. Octocat, yeah. Yeah, I have a I have a GitHub T-shirt that has Octocat on it, but it's like the Iron Man thing. Oh, yeah. He goes, guy at Seven Eleven goes, "Oh, that's cool, man! You have the Iron Man powered by kittens." <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I just hate my life. But looking through a lot of these stats, I'm a little disappointed on how little PHP shows up. I mean, PHP is in the languages section of the. 15 most popular languages. It's right under Ruby. It's, what is it, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 down. There was JavaScript, Java, which both those don't surprise me. Python, again, not really surprised. Ruby, I'm a little surprised. Ruby's still uh, more popular than PHP, but it is. And then there's PHP, and then we get into C++, CSS, C, Go, and a bunch of other shell Swift actually made an appearance, which is surprising. I actually, didn't think I am that shocked by Java as far as being open source. JavaScript. Uh, why would you be? Huh? I don't do enough jo- Java to know, but Java's open source. Yeah, it's open source, but it's not free. It's a really very weird open source, but yeah, it's it is open source. Have you guys ever ever heard the free as in beer versus free as in freedom conversation? Do you know who you're speaking to? Oh shit! <laughs> Eric coined that phrase. <laughs> I personally like the the better version of free as in puppies. Puppies aren't free Whereas, though. Well, puppies. Are I've free. been to the puppy store. They're expensive. But you can get a free puppy. So if somebody gives you a free puppy, yes, you now you now I have a better chance of getting a free a beer free than puppy. a free puppy. But that but you puppy, don't have to care for a beer. <laughs> I, why? Why am I talking? I, why I can... am I here? I need to. Plus, I gotta pay. Really, then I have to pay I get to have it trained. I have to pay for food. That's the point of the saying. I don't get you it. Dork. Free yeah. isn't puppies. I don't get it. The puppies aren't free. So even when they are. So we've just sort of stumbled upon what you. I really need an agent. I need an agent to find right? me a better show to be on. <laughs> Sean from Lurchat, you know I, I'm going to be on the market. <laughs> She's going to give me a bottle of scotch, and I'm all yours. <laughs> Oh God! I'm afraid the price is too high. I'm done talking. So I'm I've, I've been trying to slowly move this conversation over to PHP because in our work Slack channel this week, somebody posted a fantastic link. In PHP, the last couple of years, design patterns have just taken off, and every week there seems to be a new design pattern and somebody championing. I have a few design patterns. I. I personally champion and trying to keep up with all these design patterns, what they mean, how they're implemented. You spend a good day or two researching them every time somebody brings one up. And in our uh, Slack work, Slack channel this week, one of our people posted a fantastic link called Design Patterns PHP. Was it Evan? Where this? It was Evan, wasn't it? <laughs> you can just say. I'm pretty sure Evan contributed to this. To this, uh, I think this he, effort. I think he created it. <laughs> Design patterns is a effort on uh, readthedocs.io that they they're capturing 
all the PHP design patterns and doing a really good job at explaining what they are and how they're implemented and the pros and cons of them. It's, it was fun just to start clicking through some of these design patterns and kind of getting a better understanding of, of what some of them I had never even heard of before, but it's a real good site. If you're a PHP developer and you're looking into different design patterns, uh, we'll put a link to this in the show notes, but check it out. Yeah, it was very interesting when I was reading through it too. Same thing. Uh, click on a couple you've never heard of and, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. And, and if you don't have any history on design patterns, this originally came out of a book called just Design Patterns. Uh, and this is written by what's called now the Gang of Four. So if you want to see more about design patterns in generic object-oriented software development, definitely look that book up. It's dense, but very readable for 10, 20-minute blocks of time. <laughs> if you need it's, to fall asleep good. one night, pick it up. <laughs> Mother, read me about design patterns. Please, Mother. How about the, the lonely singleton whose only friend was himself? <laughs> Thomas, I'm going to let you pick one more story. Make it good. One more story. No, not that one. Oh, shit. One more story. Make it good. Because uh, I would be willing to spend $400 for a year of 4G hotspot. I, I could have used that a couple times, actually. Yeah. But see, now you have the link to it, so I don't need to do that story. Did you know Edward Snowden has something to say about Google Chat? Really? Yes, I know he's not happy with it. It's not the, it's, I mean, he's not happy with anything, but the new chat system he specifically came out against. I don't know. How do you even pronounce it? Allo? 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 Allo. Allo. So here's the thing about uh. Allo, is that Allo is an encrypted chat system and when they announced it it was going to be encrypted point to point never stored on google servers no matter what right no matter what unfortunately that is an opt-in feature if you do not opt in to the end-to-end encryption it is literally the opposite indefinite storage of all information that passes through the system so the question is i i had when i saw that is if i opt in for it and john doesn't and I have a chat with John. I, am I still able to chat with John? And and then is it is it stored in, on Google servers? I don't know. That's the problem, is that all of this is taken at face value. I would assume that if your end is encrypted, then his end has to be encrypted as well. I mean, it would have to be, I would think. But it's it takes a lot of balls to release a chat application whose default state is to record and store everything for the purpose of indexing and creating an artificial intelligence able to parse chat yeah that's that's ballsy yeah disappointing and that it is now i believe the ninth currently available google chat application for phones you you can yeah, have, have a lot of them yeah you can have nine chat systems for google on your phone simultaneously which it's insane it's market over saturation it's it, it's just destroying their brand as far as messaging goes i don't know why they would do that yeah, they've gone the opposite direction of unifying their messaging platform. and It is frustrating every time that happens. Yeah. Yeah, they, one minute they want you to pull your SMS messages into Hangout. The next minute they're like, oh, no, no, we created a separate app for this now. It's better. It's like, well, wait, no, I kind of like having it in my Hangouts. And, and I kept it back in Hangouts. <laughs> I got yeah. an update for my Hangouts plugin in Chrome, which brought me I, what I would consider two versions earlier in feature set it, oh, it really? is terrible yeah it's terrible i actually like it better than what they had before that yeah I, i'm i'm on the fence myself i don't know if i like it or not yeah I, so you're talking about john um i'm sorry thomas you're talking about you've got you got the update where it like creates a separate chat window now right yeah. which i prefer I, I would still prefer a standalone app where i don't have to cycle through my my google chrome windows but i still like the fact that it yes. is all together now it's not down in the bottom corner where i have to go find it that way well i i didn't have it as a separate window i had it just as pop-up notifications that came up in my my screen that was sms and hangouts together and i chat with you know many people several two people that way and it didn't create separate windows for each one no, it was just a little pop-up thing. It didn't have a... Well, you're on a Mac. 
Yeah. I don't know what that does differently, but this uses a Windows native notification system, so it doesn't show up as a window. It shows up as a as a little dialogue just thing. So the previous version before this latest one is it showed up as a separate window, but it was fixed to the bottom right corner of your screen. Right. And then you'd have one for your contact list and then one for each separate conversation. Right. Where the, the new update puts it in one window for me so I can go through the conversations easier. Now, you can pop them out, but they don't lock to the bottom right like they used to. They're just right. free-floating. No. And, and to the point John was talking, one of the more frustrating things I have with all those little Chrome apps is when you're cycling through Chrome, these little Chrome apps kind of get the attention of that tab, and you've got to now cycle through them to get to your actual browser. It's it's a pain. But yeah. there's still the, the little bubble up in the in the status bar. Click yeah, right for the Mac easier. for the Mac users, yeah, we didn't have that in Windows until Sorry. now. But it, but it's in your lower right hand corner, right? No, it shows up as a window now. Hmm, sucks for you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I would say everybody should just use Telegram, but we learned they they were compromised as well. So I don't know what to tell you. There's not a go a back to good smoke solution. signals or face to face conversations. Uh, and people like spit on you while they're talking. It's very Wait, I wish you'd stop bringing that up. I try not to. I can't stop it. <laughs> you know, speaking of face-to-face conversations, I know you. I know you're Hold saying on, that. I'm not, I'm not done with you yet. Snowden. Am I right? Oh. Snowden. Oh yes. Where are you at on that, man? I want to see I, it. I, I, I was willing to treat you to the movies. Go see the new Snowden movie, and you blew me off. I was that I payment for the was... ticket or what? For what? So was what that was say? that payment for the ticket or what? What's up, Thomas? Are we going to go see the Snowden movie or not? I would love to. This weekend? You want to go this weekend? Yeah, I can do that. I'm out of town next week. I got to go back to Arizona. You've got to run the Laravel meetup. You oh. get to introduce Evan. Evan's doing his talk on Elasticsearch. I'll make sure not to screw up his name or position or title. <laughs> Right, let's go see the let's go see the Snowden movie th- this weekend. We'll figure out. I can come to you. You can come to me. We can meet. We can meet at that theater in Delmar if you, if that's easier. Do it. Do it after hours, like after eight o'clock, and I'll I can try and be there. I, I'm down with that. I can I can I can do it after eight o'clock. I gotta find this. I gotta find this story. Do you turn into a pumpkin after eight o'clock, Thomas? Because you kind of look like a pumpkin now, a big furry pumpkin. What are you looking for? We're trying to wrap this thing up, and you're still you, searching. I'm pretty sure we're done here, Thomas. What are you clicking around for? All right. So. He, he has to end on a negative story. I will end this on a it, it, We call it the Thomas Dozen. <laughs> for real bummers. Uh, what? No, I, have, I have a really interesting story here. The headline here is, Fewer real-life interactions because of VR isn't a bad thing, says Oculus Rift inventor. Well, gee. The guy who invented the Oculus Rift doesn't think VR is a bad thing. Go figure. Uh, he makes an interesting point, though, is that the technology could enable social interaction in a way that we haven't had for some time now with cell phones and everything like that. Or, you know, stuff like World of Warcraft, where people just treat it like a giant chat room and meet people. The technology is sort of creating a world where you could be more social because of VR. I don't follow how that how that's so. I mean... Your argument applies to just general chat as as well. I mean, there there are people who are very social on on chat and don't leave their mother's basement. But is that a bad thing? Yes. Yeah. Well, this is coming from Palmer Lucky, who's the creator of Oculus, and and he's basically saying what VR is allowing is the breaking down of physical barriers that have prevented people from having communication in the past. How is that any different than any other chat client out there, though? That 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 argument doesn't hold. Well, just because just because the killer app hasn't been created yet doesn't mean it can't be created. I mean, there might be a chat system created for the Oculus or for Vive, probably Vive because Oculus sucks. That could change the game as far as social interaction. Yeah, but that's that same bullshit marketing line has been said about every little piece of equipment that's come out. Well, the the killer app hasn't been created yet, but when it is, it's going to change how we do everything. 
it's okay. I mean, VR is cool and all. It's, it's fantastic, but is it going to bring peace to this earth? No, I don't think so. Is it going to make us better humans? Don't think that's going to happen either. It could. Frankly. It, of course it could. And going to church every Sunday could make you a better person no, as well. definitely but, uh, not. It's, no, no. <laughs> I disagree. The, the argument afraid, is afraid the you're same. wrong on that one. The argument is the same. I mean, your 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 just general assumption that this piece of technology could possibly make people better if the right thing is designed for it. Uh, I'm not following. I told you he's bringing us down on a negative story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Only because he brought it to a negative place. The story was about how great the world will be in the future, in the in the Star Trek future where everyone gets along and is happy. And Eric... I'm more of a Strange Days future. You you ever see the movie Strange Days? Yes. Yeah, that's that's what I envision VR becoming. Just a bunch of cheap sex thrills that are jumping off buildings and letting you experience it without having to worry about actually breaking your neck or catching an STD. You just described I mean, what, video games. That's what VR is going to become. But that's what VR is. And then that's where that's that's the market that is going to stay. Right, the market just—it just is. The market will naturally expand. It will expand in gaming because it—it it will become a nice controller for for gamers and allow them to be completely emerged immersed into their game. But that's it. I mean, it's not going to do. It's not going to help. We're not going to have VR world peace meetings or where everybody in the world can actually attend a, a peace summit virtually it's not going to happen because nobody cares there's not enough money in it i don't know i've just i've just joined a world peace group see you (laughs) all right then bring us up on a happy note eric mr mr smiles (laughs) you know what's the only thing that's worth anything in this world drugs drugs sex and movies i'm gonna i'm gonna take you the movies and you're gonna put out i'll even buy you popcorn a ticket and popcorn one of those things is a lie (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm going to hold the popcorn in my lap. You see where I'm going with this, right, John? Yes. I see where you're going with this. I'm not going to the movie now. There won't be a movie. Don't worry. <laughs> it's just the popcorn and the other thing. I, I thought your I thought your uh, news piece here on Unlimited 4G was a good one. Why didn't you want to talk about that? Ah, oh, because it's one of those things that's so suspicious. That's what I wanted to ask you about. I wanted to see if you knew anything about this company. I see it, so, and I'm like, oh, really? Okay. All right, let's talk about Ooh. it now. So what happened was Sprint acquired a competitor named Clearwire, and which gave Sprint a huge amount of the LTE 4G spectrum. Uh, that spectrum was originally allocated for something else, specifically educational purposes, before it got licensed to Clear. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, but part of the purchase was... Yeah, we will allow you to make this acquisition, but you have to give unlimited access to the networks for very, very low prices to non-profit groups. Well, mm. this non-profit group, Calix, C-A-L-Y-X, is taking that offer. They are involved in a lot of personal privacy, security things, and for $500, you get a... LTE hotspot and a year's unlimited, unmetered, unfiltered access to the LTE 4G network. And if you want to re-up after that, it's just another $400 for another year. And I tell you what, that is a price point that is appealing to me. Yeah, that's really a hell of a price point. Um, And now this hotspot, too, is a totally wireless, battery-powered hotspot. So you're actually looking at three days of wireless truly wireless internet off a single charge on this thing i thought it was funny that they mentioned that this is actually tax deductible mm-hmm. <laughs> because like you said they're a charity so you're right because this is a gift a for a donation of 500 dollars. So, so you don't know anything about this company though this is the first i've ever heard about this if it's true uh, if it's true that would be an incredible deal um, yeah, you know, I'm paying a hundred bucks for my home internet every month. It, it would pay for itself in half a year. The thing is, I could not find information about the quality of these 4G hotspots. Well, if it's on the Sprint network, though, 
Yeah, but networks are crappy. I'm more I'm more suspicious about the company. And if you have a problem with the device, if it craps out after a year, is there? Can you pull the sim out and put it into another device? Sure. It's, if you had said, "Hey, you know, I've been following this group. They do a lot of good stuff. I I may have jumped on this deal, but knowing that you, this doesn't come with the the Thomas Wrightout seal of approval. I I am now have have put on the brakes on that idea. Yeah, and their website is straight out of two thousand two. I mean, it uh, is janky as hell, isn't it? I was going earlier than that, but yeah, it's pretty bad. It really, it really looks like someone had an old website and was told, "Hey, did you know you can style things up with CSS?" And so they just threw CSS on top of an old website. You know, now naturally, it's it is a five hundred one c three. It's it is it is a a nonprofit, so they don't have a ton of. You didn't tell me you got a free T shirt out of this. And stickers. I'm sold. Is it the fist holding the art, the lightning it bolt? Is. Nick your Fuse Mobile Hotspot plus one year wireless 4G LTE internet service plus T-shirt and stickers. Nope, no stickers on that one. Uh, you do actually. Oh yeah, you're right. And stickers. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, and you can actually donate through Bitcoin as well. Although I don't know. Yeah, how, I, I don't know how you would tax deduct a Bitcoin Bitcoins. donation. I don't know. It's. Absolutely fascinating. If anyone out there's used this before, I mean, I really want one of these now, because Me we've too. we've had plenty of times where we've gotten together and lo and behold, the pizza place's Wi-Fi network doesn't work. Well, we just talked about last week how I ended up back in L.A. needing to get online, and I'm I'm there hunting down a uh, a Starbucks because I I can't tether to my phone because AT and T is a bunch of crappers, and even though I'm on the unlimited plan because I've been a loyal customer for so long that I've been grandfathered into the unlimited plan. Apparently, I'm not allowed to tether to it. Not that I'm bitter or anything. You sound bitter. Yeah, but so uh, I, yeah, I mean, this it, this group seems on the up and up. They can they contribute to something I consider very important, which is privacy on the internet. But their shirt size only goes up to double XL. Clearly, they don't know their target market. <laughs> I say that all the time at these at these little geek events when they. They only have 2XL. I'm like, do you know who you're marketing to? Me. Look at me. Do I look like I do? You don't want to see me in a 2X. It's not maybe a pretty they do. site. Maybe not a pretty site, I can know. assure you. Yeah, Alright, so, so I just ordered one of these. I'll let you know. You're so full of it. You did not order one of these. <laughs> but if if anybody does who happens to listen to this show, uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, let us know your experience. Or if you happen to already know this company and you have positive or negative things to say about them let us know i'd I'd be very interested to hear they ask for your open pgp public key if you have one please paste it in here it should begin with this yeah that's great you're saying for the when you're for the donation piece. yeah when you're ordering it's like if you have this paste it in here i I don't know what they do with it but they ask for it that's kind of weird i'm sure they just email you your receipt encrypted yeah that's what I would do with but it. But I want them to tell me that. Here's what we're going to do with it. Well, it's, it's your public key, man. I understand that, but I'm curious, personally curious, what they want to use it for. I know it's public, and it's not that big of a deal if they have it, but what are they using it for? Yeah, I'm going to try and get uh, my boss to get one of these. But, hey, the review that I, the review of this that I read, the person hopped on and was able to pull some pretty significant data, uh, 60 gigabytes over... 4G without anyone complaining. Well, like I said, I'd be more concerned about uh, support. You know, if the physical hardware goes bad, or I mean, do I just have the like if if you know I drop it two months after having it, am I screwed for the rest of the year? I mean, or can I take the sim out, or say something happens to the sim, can I go to Sprint and say, hey, I have I have this plan, I need a I need a new sim for I'm sure it. Sure, Sprint will help you, but see. This just makes me want to build my my cyberpunk vest. You know, have my have all my internet provided through this hotspot. I tell you, throwing one of these in a car is not a terrible idea either. Yeah, I mean, I, I have serious trouble with my kids using data, and I'm paying an extra thirty, forty bucks a month to cover their data usage. If I cut my data plan down to zero and bought this thing, put it in the car, that could be a huge savings. Well, you've got so, me wanting to try it for sure. 
the question is, I, does it fall back to 3G if you're not in a LTE coverage area? Look up the device. You're making me do work now. I'm out. I ain't making you do nothing. All right. I think uh, we've been gabbing long enough today. So next week, I will be in Arizona. So we'll, we can try to record again on Thursday. We'll see how it goes, but it's shoddy. We'll see. You could fix that. How's that? 4G Wi-Fi hotspot. Holy cow, he's right. Look at that. <laughs> There's, Holy smokes. Your parents do not have LTE coverage over their house. Uh, you don't they, know. They, they live on the boonies. They do not. You can That's look it up. Don't. There's a map right there on the page. Those maps yeah, lie. You see, that, you see that big blank spot in Arizona? That's where my parents live. They live right in the middle of that big, big dead area. Well, next week I will be at carry.net for the Laravel meetup. We're going to have Evan presenting on Elasticsearch and Carolyn presenting on and you, Vue.js. And you're passing him the baton saying, here, take off. It's all yours now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's technically Eric owns the baton, and I've never physically touched it. I have a glove. You, you, don't, know, you, want to know, you don't even want to know where I store the baton there, John. All right, this has been another Just ugly say. episode. Been been fun talking <laughs> Thomas to you Thomas walks all. a little upright. Bye, Eric. Like, you know. Bye, Tom. <laughs> Hey, Tom. Hey, hey, Art. I put Marcus on the presentation for you, so break him in. Break him in gently. I will. Treat, treat, treat him gentle. I, I'm always gentle. <laughs> All right. This has truly been an ugly podcast. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm Tom Rideout. I'm John Congdon. Use a password Peace. manager. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.